This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boyd's. Hello there, this is Bowl at Boyd's here on ESPN Crick Info. I'm Vishal Dixit and I'm joined by Jeffrey Boycott from Adelaide. How's the World Cup going on, sir? Well, I enjoyed the match India-Pakistan, but to be frank, it, uh, it really was one-sided. Such a big occasion whenever they play these two teams that uh, you're looking for something special and uh, great entertainment all the time because there's such a lot of emotion involved from the crowd and players. But frankly, India were in control of the game nearly all the time. And so it wasn't really a contest. It, it was a little bit uh, of a damp squib in the end. Yeah, I agree. And uh, well, a few days into the World Cup, we have seen England, Australia, India, Pakistan. What's the next thing you're looking forward to? I'm going to see England play Sri Lanka. Both teams have to improve a little. Yes, definitely. Talking of England, let's take the first question. This was sent by Matt Allen from United Kingdom. He says, Jeffrey, I have a question on Owen Morgan's uh, low scores recently. He scored a series of ducks now since his 100 against Australia in the Tri-Series. Do you think it's the captaincy pressure not allowing him to bat freely or is it a technical issue? Is it that the bowlers have found him out? Well, I've always felt that he did have a technical issue around off stump. I thought that uh, at the moment he, he's lost form and, and therefore he's lost confidence. But when he played test matches, <clears throat> I think he played 16 tests. I've just checked it at average 30, so so. But he struggled around off stump against quality bowling. That's good bowlers. I'm never quite sure where his off stump was, so that's what got him in trouble. He's always been a specialist one-day player. Played a bit for the Bangalore Challengers and Kolkata Knight Riders in the IPL, the Big Bash in Australia. And he's made his name as a specialist one-day player and done well at times. But he didn't get picked all the time in these uh, 2020 teams. In fact, IPL, he wasn't a regular at all. He was nearly always a reserve. Now, I think he can play, and he can play attacking innings. And I've been trying to make constructive comments that I think... Like in business and sport, we're just the same. It's about getting round pegs in round holes. And I think he's better further down the order as a finisher like Michael Bevan. That was my point. If he gets really good bowling at him, I think it's a slight problem. And uh, I think when, you, when people bowl at the death, they tend to most of the time pitch the ball up. A lot of Yorkers, slower balls. And I think he'll be brilliant at that. Because once he knows where the ball's coming fairly full, he's got good hand-eye coordination from playing hockey, wonderful wrist from playing hockey. The field is spread out. So really, he can dictate terms and do what he wants. And that's what I think he does against average bowlers. It's the high-quality bowlers, if he gets in early on, that uh, I just think he has a bit more of a problem with. And uh, instead of, uh, you know, talking a good game, he, he, has, he has to understand that as captain, Morgan has to make runs, England win, and then any problems disappear. It's as simple as that. And people often talk about facts and figures, this and that, and how many balls you received, and averages in one-day cricket. One-day cricket, averages can lie. Mark Twain summed it up when he says there are lies, damned lies, and statistics. You know, you can make whatever judgment you want of statistics, particularly one-day cricket. 
sometimes people only get in for 10 balls and they get 12 runs and do all right, you know. Uh, sometimes they make runs against when, when there's nothing happening. Look at the captain of Pakistan against India the other day. He made 70-odd nice runs, but did it affect the game? No. The game was over long before he virtually got started in his batting. India were in charge, so actually the runs he made didn't really change the situation, the game, or anything. India had them in their pocket. So it's about making runs when it matters. Against big teams, tight situations, can you get your team over the line? And don't misunderstand, I'm not blaming the captain of Pakistan. Not at all. The game was over long before. It's not his fault. Not his, not his problem. He couldn't do anything about it. But I'm just saying, making 70 when it helps you win or gets you out of a bad situation and you win the game, that's, that's what counts. Make them against top-quality bowling. That's what counts. Now, you know, he, he's tried all sorts. He's tried, you know, to, he gave up the big bash, uh, was it the, the IPL, rather, the other year, uh, to try and get in the England Test team, and he didn't make it. His forte is one-day cricket, but I believe his forte is lower down the order rather than up the order. And his runs will come if he remembers. It's about winning when you're captain, and it's about making runs when you're a batsman. So he bats at number five, if I'm not wrong. You think that's a good position for him, or he should go further no, down the I order? I think six is even better. I think Josh Butler has a better range of shot. I'll move him up the order. But that's my opinion. That's what it's about, opinions. <laughs> of course, that's what the show is about. Right, talking of England, let's take the second question sent by Peter Gray from United States who says, Hi Jeffrey, what exactly is wrong with England's death polling? I read somewhere that their numbers are worse than only Zimbabwe's in the death overs, which seems very surprising considering England's bowling attack. Is it that the England bowlers just don't know how to bowl in the death or are England using the wrong tactics? Well, it's the wrong tactics, isn't it? Predictability. At the death, let's be clear, it's got harder and harder and harder to bowl at the death in one day cricket. But predictability, when England were bowling four or five out of six balls were attempted slow off spinners. There were slow lengths, slow bounces, and whatever you bowled, there was no surprise. The batsman was sitting there waiting like a baseball hitter for the ball to be bowled slow and short. And once there is predictability, the batsman can set himself ready to hit offside, legside, anywhere he wants. And we couldn't defend consecutive short balls. To me, bowling at the death with only four outfielders is a nightmare. It's too tough, it's unfair on the bowlers, but that's the rules. I don't make the rules. The only chance a bowler has is to try and outthink the batsman, mix up your deliveries, keep some surprise, keep the batsman guessing. We did none of that. Also, I don't, I don't understand how it is really so tough for the coaches and the players and the team to have worked it out months in advance. They all should have talked about a plan A to bowl, a plan B, a plan C, and even then, the bowlers and captain have to be able to think on their feet. Over the years, I think a lot of players, we've had too much reliability by players on coaches. You know, all the teams have got more and more backroom staff, and I don't think it helps 
the players when they, when they should be thinking for themselves in tight situations. From England's point of view, I think we bowled seven Yorkers. Three of them were dot balls, and four, I think, they scored a single off. That tells you everything. They didn't go for boundaries. We didn't bowl enough Yorkers. But there's other ways you could try. Brett Lee has a way of bowling Yorkers 12 inches outside off stump. So he takes leg side out of the equation. You've got to mainly hit offside. You can't get under the ball if it's full. And right in the block hole, outside off stump. That there's various things you can try. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But predictability, doing the same thing, just plays into the batsman's hands. And all this, all the ideas and views, all this should have been tried and worked out over the previous year in preparation for this World Cup. Because everybody's known the World Cup's coming. You don't make your preparation, oh, after one, one match, you say, oh, we got that wrong, we better try something else. Should, my point is, you should have had different plans for different situations, and when one isn't working, you can think on your feet and try something else. We didn't, and that's what was very, very disappointing as an England supporter. Right then, I hope the England team is listening to this and the suggestions you no, make. No, they don't listen to me. They <laughs> think they're brilliant. Time for the third question. Sebastian Westwood from the United States asks this one. We've already had an upset. Or was it an upset when Ireland beat West Indies by chasing down over 300? Ireland are a very strong associate team, no doubt, but they also lost to Scotland in the warm-ups by whopping 179 runs. If not Ireland, which minnow has the best chance of making it to the quarterfinals, according to you? Hey, listen, I talk about cricket, but I'm not a fortune teller. <laughs> Every World Cup throws up giant killers, you know, one or two matches here and there that surprise everybody. But look... Ireland beating West Indies was a banana skin waiting to happen. Mm. Why? Because Ireland are a good team and focus. West Indies cricket for some time has been disappointingly patchy. Some players have looked, uh, some West Indian players have looked disinterested. The body language and their attitude has looked poor. I mean, look about their, their left India early, arguing and at loggerheads with their West Indies cricket board. The board then wielded the big stick. Some guys don't want to play tests, only play one day. They're saving themselves for all the money that they can earn around the world in IPL, another 2020, like South Africa and the Big Bash. I mean, this was a cricketing disaster waiting to happen, and it's not a big surprise. It could happen again to West Indies. All right, that brings us to the last question of this episode. Idris from the UAE sent this one. There's something you spoke about earlier in the show, actually, and uh, the question is the new rule change of four fielders outside the circle and two new balls have been have seen massive individual and team scores. Rohit Sharma has two double hundreds. Corey Anderson and now A.B. De Villiers got the fastest century within a year. Is it the small grounds, the bat, or is it the new rules? The World Cup also saw scores of over 300 on the first three days. Something needs to be clearly done to avoid bowlers from being washed out of the game. What do you suggest for a more balanced bat-ball competition in the game? Let's take the bats first. There's twice as much wood in the hump or the sweet spot on the bat as there used to be through the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, I mean, bats, like now, the technology has done the same for bats in cricket as golf has done for the balls and clubs. 
you know, they hit it, the, the ball further, the tennis. Used to play with wooden rackets uh, when John Borg and uh, John McEnroe were playing. Now they're aluminium and some man-made stuff and they hit the ball harder and further. And it's same with cricket bats. The water tech content, which makes a willow kind of resilient rather than ash and wood, which is strong, but the ball is like a plank on them. They've taken more and more water content out of the willow. So they can put more wood in and they still pick up very light. But the bats, bats crack easier or earlier, but the pros are not bothered because they get as many free bats as they require. And the public pay a fortune for these uh, bats now made this way. And if it breaks uh, quickly or early, uh, the manufacturers aren't bothered because uh, it means uh, young kids or club cricketers have to buy another one and they're happy. They're just getting more and more profit. So that's what's happened to the bats. There are smaller grounds now, not everywhere, but quite a lot of places. If you look, for some time now, the boundaries have been brought in so that fielders dive in or slide in at the boundary edge don't get hurt. The commercial advertising, which is so big for money, has been set back about five yards from the boundary. So the boundary has to be five yards further in to allow the commercial advertising. And then I see on some grounds there's another five yards or more behind the commercial advertising to allow TV cameras, security people to sit looking at the crowd to make sure there's no interference. And so you've got grounds like 10 yards in. I saw the first match of England-Australia at Melbourne. How big that is. It's not quite as big straight. And there were 10 yards in with these two sets of five yards for security and TV and then for commercial advertising. So that doesn't help spinners, does it? That extra 10 yards, and then the bat's hitting it further. And then you've got the, the pitchers. They're flatter and better than ever. That's good. Again, it's, it's, it's the modern way of improvement, just like you've got golf courses are prepared now better than ever, and greens on golf courses are better. It's, it's wonderful. And so they've done more with grass, and preparation of pitches, which means it's better for batting, harder to make the ball turn or seam or do anything. Outfields again, because of preparation of grass and everything, the faster and better. So everything's got better. It's just modern technology has moved forward to make things all better for batting. I hope, if I was to alter anything, I think two outfielders at the beginning is too difficult. I think that's just, whoa, that just really, these big strapping lads with big bats now, they just pierce the field. I had a four fielders. Four fielders out just the same. And I wouldn't be so severe on balls down leg side. You see, bowlers who, oh, just air a fraction, just a fraction past leg side, they get wider. If it was very wide, yes, it should be called wide. You can't have negative bowling down the wide of leg stump. At the death of an innings, I would have five fielders, one extra, more protection for the bowlers. I would also think of two bowlers can bowl 15 overs, not just 10. In other words, a captain finds a couple of his guys are bowling well. Why can't he bowl them a little bit more? You know, batsmen aren't told, listen, when you're at 50, you've got to declare, you've got to leave the field. There's no restrictions on a batsman making as many runs as he wants. 
but there's all these restrictions on bowlers all the time. And if two guys are allowed to bowl 15 overs, it would take away 10 overs, two sets of five, 10 overs of weak bowling. That's batsmen who bowl occasionally. So there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, Dave Richardson here, he's the chief executive of the ICC. He was mentioning that maybe, maybe only, but he's obviously aware of the problem, but it's a batting game. He said maybe the ICC will have to limit uh, or have a rule, read the depth of bats. In other words, make sure that there's less wood, can't hit it quite as far. So making it difficult for these big strapping lads to miss it for six. Now something has to be done. I agree with the question. Bowlers at the moment, most of the time, are cannon fodder. And if it carries on like this, we're going to have a problem finding kids who want to be bowlers. Why would you want to be a bowler when you run up, you get smacked out of the park with a miss hit, and if they hit it cleanly, it goes 15 rows back? What's the fun in that? That every time you play a one-day game, you're smashed out of sight. The game of cricket has a problem. Because it, it's certainly the one-day game. It should always be a contest between bat and ball. And yes, we would like 60% with the bat, maybe 65 because we want to see some runs. But there's a great deal of skill in bowling. And when we get to the point where it's just a batting game, bowlers are cannon fodder, it's just a question of how many runs you hit. I mean, really, to be honest, the one-day game is cricket's answer to baseball. You saw them the other night they were stood there at the death when England were bowling. They just stood there, bat raised, waiting to wallop it because England are daft enough to bowl slow, short, off-spinners, and they could hit it anywhere around the park. And that was really like baseball, like somebody stood there, a batter, trying to hit a home run. Um, I'd like to see a bit more finesse rather than just stood there slogging fours and sixes. Wouldn't you? Oh yes, definitely. That's what I've been waiting for. But sadly, that brings us to the end of this episode. And uh, everyone who's listening, you can send in your feedback, your questions via feedback form. In two weeks from now, Jeffrey Burkett will join us again, right there from Australia or New Zealand, and take most of your questions, if not all. Until then, enjoy the World Cup. Goodbye and good luck. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info. 